0: Hello Tisha. Hi Jen. How's it going? Guess what I did
1: last night. Tell me. I went to a Taylor Swift dance party. Yes. And I felt like I was at a high school dance. Okay. And there were all of these like 20-somethings and probably younger. I mean, I think some of the folks I was with were 20-somethings, but there were a few songs that they were like, you know, jumping to and like, I love Taylor Swift's music. I'm not going to pretend I don't. But my girlfriend who I went with and I kind of looked at each other and she was like, these kids have never, they don't know what a mosh pit actually is. (laughs) But there was like this like energy that they were like, you know, whatever. Or like, so there's this DJ on a stage, like that's how it's set up. And and they just play Taylor Swift songs, just Taylor Swift songs. And they have like a screen behind him to give context for like what era of Taylor Swift, like the songs were like so so like in her country era you it was like all like how she looked i don't know she's changed her look a lot anyway yeah yeah, yeah but like sure. these kids but he would be like are you guys ready and then you like i maybe i'm old but i expect you know i know her music isn't like this but like a rock song or like something big and it would be like something do something really energizing and like it was hysterical it was fun it was super fun but it was Something unlike anything I've ever been to before. And I was definitely one of, if not the oldest person there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh gosh, we've
1: entered that era. Oh yeah, we oh, yeah. yeah. And like we get there and everyone's getting like beers and drinks and I'm like, I'm going to have a water. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, we also just celebrated American Thanksgiving. We did. Which is so much fun, and afterwards I was like, Here we are doing another American Thanksgiving because it's kind of become a tradition, and we didn't take any pictures
1: again. We do again this all no, the time, <laughs> every year. I think there's one year, it might have been like 2018 or 2019, that I did get a picture of all the kids in front of my fireplace. Yeah, 2018 because I think. That was the year where it was like all of a sudden a bunch of the boys were into like Beyblades or whatever. And the beauty of something like that is that it kept them occupied without them like trashing the house yeah it was like you get the i feel like there are these moments in parenthood where you feel like you've cracked it but really they're just like all into the same thing or they're into something that's like quiet or not messy or you know where there's no crying or punching or you know i mean clearly i have two children who are boys because that happens all the time um yeah but it was like we were like we're all sitting there and like oh wow this is like amazing
0: (laughs) yeah well I always think that when you think you've got parenthood figured out, the oh. kids change it on you. You right. never, they always change it. You're like, oh yeah, nailed this. I got this. I know their routine or whatever you think it is. And then it flips because we're just constantly changing and growing. Thank you so much for having us over. That was fun. And my daughter the next morning did not get her homework done because she forgot. And I was like, well, you're just going to have to go to school school and tell your teacher that you're really sorry but you were busy celebrating American Thanksgiving last night cuz in Canada it's not Thanksgiving. Not a thing. No.
1: No. So what?
0: she had homework
1: that she didn't get done.
0: <laughs> that she didn't get done cuz we were out and we were celebrating a holiday and that's like become a family tradition that we now celebrate American Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. yeah. And why? I bully, not? I bully my friends here I celebrated it.
0: Black Friday too. <laughs>
1: I did not. I didn't buy one thing.
0: I got a
1: great Did you deal. get your Switch? Yes. Did you get it? I saw where you could get like points back and then you use the points to buy games. Did you do that one? Like on, um um, um uh, with PC?
0: So I had enough PC points that if you cashed in $250 worth, they would give you $400 value. So I got the Nintendo Switch for four hundred dollars off.
1: You won Christmas.
0: I just won Christmas. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, or it was a rush anyways. Yeah, I got some other like shopping done, gifts bought, because I do celebrate Christmas. So looking to fill some of those and get some deals. But when I was growing up, um you obviously didn't live here then, Jen, but we didn't have Black Friday. That was not a Why thing. Why would you? It's only been in recent years that it started. It's
1: been a thing since I've been here. Like, I feel like. Which I I consider
0: recent years.
1: (laughs) Well, it is recent years. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's like 12 12 years now. Um, 14, 14 years. Yeah.
0: And it seems like it's getting bigger and bigger. Like, it started with, like, maybe a couple of shops doing it.
1: I feel like in the beginning, there were, like, a couple of bigger retailers would do it, but you would often hear about people driving to, like, Buffalo or Watertown or something. Yes, to get get those deals. But it was something Mm -hmm. that people definitely did.
0: Yeah, but then Canadian retailers figured out that they were losing out on money because people were driving to the U.S. to get these deals, so they might as well kind of offer it here and convince us to buy stuff we don't need to buy.
1: What I was telling (laughs) the kids, actually, on Thursday night is the first year I ever did any kind of, like, Black Friday thing, I was living in Los Angeles, and it was a year that I did not go back to my folks house for Thanksgiving, so I hosted what was like an orphan's Thanksgiving, so everybody that was like in LA and didn't didn't go home or didn't have, a plan, have plans came mm-hmm. over, and one of my good friends, she came early and she was like, can I stay here tonight, and I was like, yeah, of course, you know, my sister wasn't there, and um, yeah. she's like, you live closer to the Target, Best Buy, like, plaza that was near us, and I want to go at like three in the morning. <laughs> And I was like, really? And she was like, oh yeah, I have a list. I was like, okay. I was like, well, I'll go. Um, (laughs) And in like true LA fashion, which was kind of funny, um, there was an actress behind us who was like a minor role on some, you know, dramedy that was on the WB at the time, but I watched it. I totally knew who she was. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my god, she's standing here with us. (laughs) Um, But also like, I don't know, when you live in LA, you kind of realize that actors like that only make so much money because yeah. I, I definitely, there was one that I recognized that would host at our restaurant. We went to, and you know, just cause they're recognizable, doesn't mean they're like living in mansions in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Um, and then another time when my sister and I were home from California, the outlet mall that my folks live closest to, they decided to open at midnight on Thanksgiving and we were still on like West coast time. So we were like, well, we might as well go. Um, yeah it was kind of crazy and I think we did that two years and then we were like yeah we're over this but
0: yeah and now we do it online I bought concert tickets recently and I was reflecting back on when I was younger and you would like you would do what you did on Black Friday you would do to get concert tickets you would line up outside like certain record stores yep or music stores um would have the tickets and sometimes you'd have to line up really early. I remember getting a wristband like going into the store at, like that the week of and you get a wristband and you had to keep it on and like that was your number. So then you showed up at a certain time. Oh, you didn't have to camp out, but they would randomly call a number and if that was your wristband number, you were first in line and then it followed after that oh, until it cycled back to like wristband wonder. number 1 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of random, but you didn't have to park outside. And now we just like go online. And speaking of Taylor Swift, we're coming full circle. Like she just broke Ticketmaster basically recently with some. Ticketmaster bombed with all that. Yeah, there was like some whole drama there. But I was just thinking about how different it was. And like that, I am now that old that I remember having to get up really early in the morning to line up, sometimes in the cold. like to get your concert tickets
1: yeah i remember my warren talking about he did that for like i don't know if it was like acdc or rolling stones but like one of those like big Mm -hmm. bands um but yeah yeah we're old (laughs) (laughs) when you can remember when you can say the oh i remember when
0: well i also just said you used to line up outside the record stores (laughs) like what does that mean what is a record store i bet you my kids would have no concept of what that is
1: well i was listening i think i was on the radio going somewhere the other day and they were talking about when like mtv actually did videos i think they were talking about like taylor Swift actually came up in that too um where like there's not really music videos anymore and like taylor swift will still make them because she can just fund her own you know music video but music videos were like such a big deal and their premieres on like mtv or much or whatever were like insane and even my girlfriend who i went last night with um she was talking about some bar that used to be near much music and some of these kids we read they were like where is that (laughs) yeah and what is that and yeah.
0: Cause you just go on YouTube now and you watch music videos if they have yeah. them, which a lot yeah. of artists do, but it definitely has changed so much. And I do remember um, Michael Jackson's black and white for whatever reason is etched in my memory as being one of those videos that I was like, it's going to premiere this day at 8 PM. And I remember mm-hmm. being in middle school, like grade seven or eight at that time. Yep. And that's, All everybody was talking about at school that day was like, are you going to watch it? Are you going to watch it? And then the next day, all people were talking about was the music video.
1: Well, yeah. And I imagine if you didn't um, like have cable, then you had to like be at the friend's house who did, or are you going to tape, will you tape it, like record it on a VHS for (laughs) me? (laughs) Yeah. And now here we are making a podcast. Totally. Right. Right. didn't even exist then no it didn't it didn't and zoom what was zoom um yeah right
0: and we're using zoom it's wild like we're living in the future jen we are like this is the stuff that we dreamed might be one day
1: except it's not what the justins was concepted as but it's like kind of like we're doing that yes it's funny we're recording this intro and we're just about to record the episode
0: yeah so I hope you love Leslie because we haven't talked to her yet when we're recording this, but, um, I used to work with her
1: uh-huh.
0: and I love Leslie. So, you know, well, I'm
1: excited. It's our last bad boyfriend month.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if she's going to say this when we talked to her, but when I was messaging her and we were setting up this, this time, I said to her, well, um, you know, your episode is going to be, in featured in our bad boyfriend month and she joked and she said well actually he was a really good boyfriend and a terrible husband
1: there you go
0: and I was like well that fits with the bad boyfriend month but it's kind of and then part of it was like yeah that's the way sometimes especially when you're talking about like narcissism that they can fool you and we've seen that in some other episodes where, like, everything starts out great and there's all this love bombing and, like, they're wonderful until they're not. They're not.
1: <laughs> Basically, yeah. Absolutely. So we hope you enjoy the episode. Oh, and if you're still looking for holiday gifts, shop our merch store now at pod.com. If you are, if you want to support the show, um, you can follow us on Patreon, you can buy us a coffee, shop merch, all of that stuff helps because our costs to produce the show, we have a monthly cost to produce the show from hosting the show, to recording the show, to editing the show, there's some costs associated with it and we would love to stay ad-free, so help us out. Hi and welcome back to the Now Up Pod, I'm Jen. And I'm Tisha, today
0: we are with a special guest, I guess for me, because it is somebody that I know. So we're gonna be talking with Leslie Cheen. And Leslie and I worked together quite some time ago as teachers and she was my teaching partner. I was a new mom, I was just coming back off of mat leave with my firstborn. I was placed in kindergarten, had never taught kindergarten before, And Leslie was just so kind and patient and helpful and like lent me resources and materials when I needed them. Or if I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have red construction paper. She's like, here you go. Like she was just always so kind and answered lots of questions and taught me so much. So I am always grateful to Leslie. And now you're doing me another favor by having me on the podcast. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, this is one of our bad boyfriend month episodes and we'll talk about like your whole story later but I thought it was funny that you're like well actually he wasn't a bad boyfriend he's just a bad husband and I was telling Jen that you said that earlier but I know a little bit of your story more bits and pieces that you've told me I don't know if we've ever sat down and like when do you ever really sit down with somebody and like just listen to their story for an hour or something no. right like that doesn't happen so I've never really heard the whole story so I am looking forward to that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. So we are going to talk about your ex today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that?
2: (laughs) Um, It's weird. I had a funny dream last night and I do find that anytime something comes up with him, I do have strange dreams. So I know that even after 20 years of being apart, it can still trigger you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't go as far to say I have PTSD from him, because that's really serious. But if you can get mini PTSD, or almost, I'm I'm sure that's what the relationship did to me, because there are times it can trigger things. If I know I have to see him at an event, everyone says I do so well, but I'm still like, I really wish I didn't have to be in the Mm -hmm. same room as him. And then I often right. have weird dreams. Like my dream last night involved something of getting married to him again. And I wasn't saying in the dream, no, but it was kind of like, this is not happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't happy to be doing it, but you weren't
0: saying no either.
2: <laughs> yeah. Which is not how I was at the time. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. so where did your
2: relationship dart with him? Oh my goodness. So that I don't really remember, but I think it was grade seven or eight. <laughs> oh, wow. We grew up in the same neighborhood, went to the same schools. And we were great apart. He's a year older. And one of his best friends was, is the brother, no, I guess was his best friend, brother of my closest friend. So we kind of just grew up together. And my girlfriend's family have birthdays all around the same time. So they do joint birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And I do have this recollection of a Birthday pool party. And I remember him being there. And that was around grade seven or eight. But we didn't start dating till I was 17. And we had a lot of the same interests. We were in band together. We liked going for walks. We lived in the beaches. So walking along the beach was always great. We'd go ice skating down at uh, the lake and lots of mutual friends. So we were always together doing things. Um, Mm -hmm. Like our music was a big one. We played lots of instruments, and we had family that did, and we're in bands together, so that's where it all started, and um, I never dated anyone after him after 17, and we got married when I was almost 24. 24 is pretty young, I guess. Yeah, I was younger than most of my friends, but not by much. I'd say all my friends were married by the time they were 30, Mm because most of them got married the year I was pregnant with my son, which was three years later.
0: Yeah. And your families got along,
2: or were they accepting of him? Everyone was happy about this? Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, I remember when our mothers met, like I said, I had this mutual friend, and I was almost part of her family, and we played in the high school concert band, which opened the Eaton Centre. So we're on this platform playing for the opening of the Eaton Centre, and my mom comes up beside my girlfriend's mom, and on the other side of my girlfriend's mom is his mother okay right (laughs) and so she introduced them (laughs) right before you guys were were ever even a thing yeah well no we had just started dating oh okay we had started dating when we went up to my friend's cottage after christmas and we stayed um new year's eve Mm -hmm. and there was a whole bunch of us because i had five kids and each kid brought a friend friend, (laughs) right it was a big party and I remember Hillary, my my girlfriend's mom, turning to my mom and Mary, my future mother-in-law, um, like, this is so funny. You two, let me introduce you. Do you know? You <laughs> but yeah, like we, we belong to the same church, like the same denomination. We didn't go to the same ones, but like we were just so similar, mm-hmm. our families. In fact, people used to forget I was my mother-in-law's daughter-in-law, they thought I was her daughter. Because they said we were very similar, okay. which sometimes creeped me out because then I thought yeah. of like the Oedipus complex.
0: <laughs> he married his mother, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> How long were you married before you had your first child? Two and a half
1: years. Perfect on paper sounding.
2: Yeah. We bought our first house. We made sure we bought a house that had a corner that could put a piano in it. Our first Christmas in the house, we bought um, a secondhand piano that fit. And then, I guess the next year, we had a baby. And then, in five and a half years, we had three. And all very wanted. I thought he wanted children, too. He left a lot of it up to me. I always thought, oh, he's just not good with babies. I mean, he loved his children. He loved his babies.
0: Yeah, but he didn't seem to
2: take naturally to, like, the diapering and the fatherhood and all of that. And he would give up easily. I, I just remembered, it was the second or third. It was one of the girls. He was bathing the baby and baby slipped went under the water a bit and he just said I'm never doing it again you know like one little mistake and
1: yeah
2: I'm sure many people have done that bathing a newborn right been there yep yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) honestly I didn't do any of it I made my husband do it all
2: yeah (laughs) but so that's the thing I was a stay-at-home mom and I think there was an expectation to be like his mom and do everything and cater to Mm -hmm. him and I didn't realize that till I stayed home We had a discussion about it when I was pregnant. Like, how do you feel about either me going back to work or staying at home? Mm -hmm. And he's very good. I used to think, oh, he's good at compromising. But I realize kind of now he doesn't like to make a commitment and then makes it all your decision. And he's like, oh, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, it's your life. And I said, I know what I want to do, but I want to hear how you feel. And he Mm -hmm. finally said, yes, I'd like it if you stayed home, if that's what you'd want to do, at least for a while. And it was what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Right. I I love working with kids, as you know, Tisha.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love
2: being a stay-at-home mom.
0: And I think a lot of people, if if they're in a position, I don't know, like a lot of people are happy to do that and want to do that if they're in a Mm -hmm. position that they can stay home and care for their children. Yeah. But you stayed home. You were a stay-at-home mom with your three kids. What like what
2: prompted that decision to go back to school? Um, so I had been teaching music out of um, my house and at community centers while the kids were little mm-hmm. and I always worked during school hours. I, I was always there for them at lunchtime and after school. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was my music business was slowing down because... I taught preschool, kindergarten age music, and the population of that age really, really dropped. And I was sitting in my living room with my sister in law, who is also very musical, and she said, You should become an EA. She said, They would love you. She says, You don't have all your music classes now. They would love you with your music and your art and the way you are with kids. So I applied to be an EA. And as it turned out, a friend of a friend, Sort of knew, heard I was looking for an EA job and I got hired at her school and um, just loved it. I had thought about being a teacher before I became a biologist, but didn't pan out. So you were still married at that time when yeah. you went back to, yeah. How did he feel about you going back to the workforce? So he, someone else said to me, I think he's going to be the problem, not the kids. And they said that. And I didn't see that. But that's when my, the cheating, as far as I know, the cheating started. So it, mm-hmm. I would say, I noticed the changes in his behavior. It was subtle, right? And um, that's what it is with a narcissist, right? It's very subtle. Uh, they gaslight you, they feed you lines, and I think some of it was not getting all the attention he wanted, or he was no longer, you know, the main realm. Um, not that I was that I was not a housewife I never was a housewife I was a stay-at-home mom that was my job raising my Mm -hmm. kids not Mm -hmm. catering to my husband right right and I think over time he didn't like that and then someone else told me that it made it easier for him to cheat on me and do all his own stuff if I was busy elsewhere
0: right right? yeah so yeah because he could maybe sneak around when you were at work or something. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I was busy and doing my own stuff.
0: When you notice like subtle changes, like what were some of the things that you.
2: Little stood? digs, little digs. And also saying things that like weren't true about me and insisting they were some of the little digs. And this must be when I was still at home. I was painting the eaves trough on the house. I was up on the roof of our veranda painting the second story Mm -hmm. and he comes home and meanwhile I had all these neighbors passing saying oh be careful be careful looks great looks great and he comes home and says how come you can do that but you didn't get the house vacuumed great yeah stuff like that and uh, (laughs) I remember being really sad over something one day maybe being excluded from something and he says well who would want to be with you when you're like that and uh, we drove our daughter to a camp that was near Guelph. And I said, you coming for the ride? And he said, I don't know if that's really worth my while. Like I wanted company on the ride. Yeah, the ride like back. spending time with your wife is not worth your while. Yeah, and little things like that, he... Well, and even like dropping
1: your kid off for a, I would presume a week or more,
2: that's not worth your while either? Exactly. And he would schedule so much for himself that he wasn't always available for us. He played hockey, he played baseball, when he signed my son up for tennis, he didn't take my youngest little girl. He signed himself up for a class for himself at the same time and lied and just said, well, she doesn't get up. She's too slow. She she gets in the way. I can't watch her and I'd watch him. Meanwhile, because it was Saturday mornings, I had to get her up extra early to take our other child to her horseback ridings, which were early Saturday mornings. So mm-hmm. I had to drag this this sleepy little girl to watch her sister do horseback riding lessons. Yeah. So very selfish decisions. And Mm. when you're in the thick of it, you don't really see it. You know, right. When I questioned stuff, I was told I was being selfish. I was told I was imagining it. I was asked why I was picking a fight. What do you mean? That's not true. And I said, it seems like you don't care anymore. Like you're crazy. Why would you say that? Right. He bought me for Christmas one year. He won it at a Christmas party auction, which, of course, he couldn't take me to. It was a work event. And, oh, no, no spouses this year, which I'm not even sure if that was ever true. Right. And it was a gift certificate to a hotel. I guess he bid on it. And so we were going to have, like, oh, a little fling away. Yeah. When I asked him about it, like, six months later, he said, well, is there any point? I can't find it anyways. But is there any point? And that crushed me. Yeah, of course. Because I kind of just thought, oh, you know, we still love each other, but we're just going through a bad spot.
1: Well, little kids are hard. It's hard on a marriage. Like,
2: yeah. And they were teenagers by this time. He had Uh, also lost his brother to cancer and then his mother to a stroke eight months after that. And I put a lot down to grief or I excused a lot, you know, but when I now know what he was doing, grief doesn't do that to you.
0: Yeah. yeah, and as I'm listening to you talk, it, it does sound a little bit like he was disconnected. Yeah, exactly. It sounds, when you're describing it, like he was withdrawing.
2: Yeah, in fact, being very candid, his lovemaking was like that, even from day one. Um, I didn't feel the intimacy, it was just the physical part. Right. And he suffered from premature ejaculation, <laughs> I was trying to be... <laughs> <laughs> a very patient, <laughs> loving, caring wife. And I suggested, why don't you go to men's clinic and stuff? And then eventually made an appointment at a men's clinic and didn't tell me. And then just brings the stuff home and says, I have to take this and you have to make love every night. It's like, hold on. You can't just demand it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't work like that. Right. And then and that was me being difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what you wanted. Yeah, I finally did what you wanted. Yeah. And shouldn't we have discussed this? You know, and that's uh, that was another thing I would notice. He would tell other people things. I'd hear about stuff through other people, the things I should have heard through him first. Like mm-hmm. he gave up either hockey or baseball for, must have been baseball when our third was born. Cause, and I had asked him, could you sit this summer out? Because he played tournaments every weekend. Yeah, I think he, I think he did. <laughs> yeah, and our daughter was born in April, and she was the third. I wanted him home, you know, yeah. with us yeah. on the yeah. weekend. And we were at some social event, and someone said, "So you're not playing baseball this year?" And I said, "Oh, you aren't." And he goes, "No, of course not. You're having the baby. Like in front of everybody else, he's the wonderful father, right?" right. I mean well I didn't even know he would made this
0: decision.
1: <laughs> right, yes.
0: right. Like we talked about it, but you never told. Like you yeah. never
2: told me you yeah. did it. And then, yeah, yeah, like you're saying, you're finding out. Yeah. And then you tell me things like, oh, you were at this event. You remember this person talked to you about this and I wasn't there. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. And I don't know if he really had no memory of that or if it was a gaslighting trying to make me feel crazy. Or he was there with someone else. And mixing you up. And I, I think I said as a joke, oh, it must have been someone else you were with. Not even realizing that that actually could have been a possibility. Well, you know, what's funny. I kept, we all lose socks when we do the laundry, right? So yeah. I was matching up his socks because I did the laundry all the time because he made a mistake once and then that never really did it again. I, and I said about the socks thing, I said, you're missing so many socks. It's like you're leaving them in other houses. Uh, maybe he was. Maybe he was. <laughs> hmm you see i can laugh about all this now
1: <laughs> now in retrospect when you think back to when you were dating were there any like red flags or like obviously you didn't see them at the time but like when you think back were like were there any of those like digs that maybe were easier to pass off as a joke or anything like that
2: no it was never like that when we were dating i think the only couple of things i when i look back and i see that sort of shows some stuff about his personality um he borrowed it sounds silly he borrowed my french horn mouthpiece (laughs) to (laughs) use on this plastic trumpet thing you know that you take to a baseball game or a soccer game or whatever and um he lost it and it was like oh i'm sorry i lost it he didn't replace it and right There were things like that that happened a couple of times. He'd borrow from someone and lose it. Or he'd, you know, just borrow his mother's car and leave all his stuff in it. So not really caring about other people's things actually was a theme. He never thanked my parents for Christmas presents. It was like like me. Oh, well, you thank them. But he wouldn't. You know, so little selfish things that didn't seem like much. Like a lack of consideration. Yeah, yeah. And after a while, he didn't want to hold my hand or put his arm around me. Oh, that's why do you always want public displays? And he said, well, we're out. I'm relaxed. We're not busy with the kids. Like, what's the deal here? Right. Yeah. So just little things like that, that I'd never think, oh, this guy's lying to me and cheating and has multiple right. other women. It never crossed my mind. Right. So when did you find out? about all of his so I was killers. three weeks and he really encouraged me to go back to school to be a teacher and I think part of that was so that if he did eventually leave me I would have a paying job and he wouldn't have to pay me support right mm-hmm. it really felt like that afterwards mm-hmm. Um, it, I was three weeks into my course and you know he would leave for work in the morning and I sat down at the computer to work on an assignment the kids had gone to school and opened our desktop computer and it was already opened and on his email and the thing that's up says oh thank you for your or the subject was thank you for your family picture and I thought who's he sending family pictures to so I clicked on it well it was the family picture of from his childhood him and his four siblings and his mother and that's who he thinks is family, not us. That was what first went through my mind, you know, and who's he sending family pictures to? And it was this one woman. So then of course, I clicked through his email, especially the ones from her. Oh, thank you for the coffee you brought me. And obviously he was seeing her. I Mm -hmm. called him at work and I said, who is this person? And he tried to, oh, just a friend and doesn't mean much. And Anyways, so I figured it out. I even went to see his father, and I said, I don't know what's going on. Has he talked to you? And I showed him the card he had given me on our anniversary in June, which said something like, oh, even though we've had our ups and downs and bends in a row, good times are in the future around the bend, something like that, right? And his dad kind of just looked at it and put it down. I found out later he'd come to his dad a year before asking if he could leave, move in with him. Leave me. Well, didn't have this discussion with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So when I questioned him, how could you give me this card? He says, Oh, well, I meant around the corner and going our separate ways and we'll be happier. That is not how I would read that. An anniversary card? An anniversary card? It means that. Yeah. (laughs) So again, it was me misinterpreting what he said. I confronted him the minute he walked in the door. In fact, I'm not proud of it but I slapped him on the face and said you're a liar and a cheater and get out it was instant yep I didn't even think about how am I going to afford this what am I going to do I threw him out right away just get you're out just reacting
1: yeah of course yeah. um
2: my immediate thought was no one treats me this way we had been in counseling the year before or maybe two, a couple of years before that mm-hmm. um because of this feeling I was getting from him of disconnect and and, yeah. you know, and the can- a male counselor, he was really good, was saying things like, you know, you need to do stuff together and make her a priority. And he's like, oh, you're just beating up on me. That's all right. he got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I threw him out and I'm not sure where he went. He And funnily enough, I sent an email to the woman that he was corresponding with at work mm-hmm. and said, I know all about you two and you're welcome to him but we've been a married couple up until now and she wrote back and said oh you can't blame me you've known about all his other women and you're not meeting his needs and he's so much happier now and you're separated anyway whoa yeah so I my response to her was obviously he's been lying to you as much as me and you may be in my shoes one day well they were together 17 years and she threw him out because she caught him cheating in the middle of the pandemic. She threw oh, out. my gosh. That's how bad it is when you kick someone out in the middle of a lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But wow. and
2: yeah. so
0: she said you've known about other women. You must have just been reeling.
2: I was. I was. Like, I, yeah. I really was devastated. As much as, you know, I say through them out. nobody treats me this way. I was angry, but I was devastated. This was of like, course. who are you? I've known you since you were 12 years old. I would have never suspected this of you. My life was turned upside down. And after I threw him out, it's like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I cried every day. My poor kids had to see that, you know? Yeah. Um, Of course,
0: because this is someone, like you said, you've known him since he was 11 or 12.
2: Like you you grew up together. You have that trust. Exactly. Do you know what he threw at me when I was, saying like, how could you do this? And you could have given me diseases when I confronted him about all the other women. And he says, you just couldn't trust me. Like, what does that mean? I actually did trust you until I found out all of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had found condoms in his wallet a few years before, which he said, I was. he was going on a um, a business trip but I was meeting him at the end of the business trip. And I, I only found them because I, I don't know if it was his wallet or his, his toilet bag. Cause I was helping him pack. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was helping him and I yeah. found them. And he said, he said, Oh, that's for when you come. That's right. for when you come. And you're like, Oh, okay. And so I brushed it off, but it did bother me probably because of you know, the way he started treating me. And about yeah. a year after the fact I did, I said, you know, it's always bothered me. And he, he said, Well, I'll admit I was tempted, but I didn't do anything. Well, that was probably a lie.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. And
2: that's when that's when I put us in counseling. I said, Okay, this needs to be talked about. You can't you can't be doing stuff like this and not discussing it with me. I said, mm-hmm. Come to counseling with me. Let's talk about this. Yeah. So and he you, did.
0: Yeah. You think you know somebody so well? And then you find out that they're not who you think they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: My whole world was turned upside down. Yeah. I um, I went to the kids' school and I told the principal and their teachers of what happened and said, I'm just telling you because the kids witnessed it all. I said, so they, they've been seeing their mother traumatized. They've had yeah. to, you know, they listened to me crying. It's probably not good. Let me know. My daughter, who was just in grade nine, when I saw one of her teachers at the parent-teacher interview, she said, "I think you must have done the right thing because she seems fine. She seems happy. I think her life's probably better. Whatever you did, <laughs> wow, wow, so that was very validating
0: mm-hmm. that you've you know, made the right choice. Yeah, that yeah. I made the
2: right choice. And I had so I was in teachers' college and. I have one of them. I was the age of most of the professors. So I sort mm. of had a bond and friendship with them. And one of them, I told all the professors just because in case I have to just leave in the middle of a lecture or I can't turn something in, or I might miss a class because yeah. something upsetting I'm has going happened. through some stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, so one of them said to me, well, what are you going to do? And I said, This asshole is not going to take this away from me. And she she said, I could use stronger words than that. (laughs) And I said, oh, I did to its face. (laughs) Yeah. But but then I also had a couple of young teacher candidates come up and hug me and say, you are an inspiration. My mother Mm -hmm. fell apart and couldn't continue on with her life. He said, the fact that you are continuing and carrying on and doing so well here is a real inspiration to me.
0: That must have been so tricky because now you found yourself a single parent without that income, like financially, you still have the three kids and you're in school full time. Yeah. I wonder if you just almost
2: threw yourself into the teaching college, you know, to push the other aside. I did. I have said, I think that saved me. It gave me a focus outside of what was going on at home. And also now I needed a teaching job more than ever. I needed a good salary. I was, I know I would get child support, but I wanted to a decent life for my kids. That was my focus. I wasn't even thinking of myself at that point. I wasn't going to move them out of their house, which was in the beaches. So taxes are high. Um, I wasn't going to take them out of their programs, horseback riding, dancing, hockey, Um, I was determined that their life was going to stay as much the same as it possibly could. Now, out of the mouth of babes, my 11-year-old at the time was doing her homework one night, and I said, oh, time to put that away. Your dad's going to be here. It's your night with dad. And she says, oh, sometimes I forget he's gone because it's no different.
0: Because he wasn't a hands-on... No, he, dad, yeah. he, would,
2: he would work late. He would be away on the weekends. I mean, I shouldn't have suspected he was cheating. <laughs> Seemingly, my dad did. My dad said something to my mom about, I think he has a girlfriend. And my mom says, oh, no, he would never do that.
1: I think there's like a a complacency or a level of trust when you've like grown up with someone or known someone for of so course. long. Of
2: you know, and we were involved in a church organization together that was part of our musical stuff. We put on musical shows every year, right? And it's like we went to this church, this was his family's church. I moved to it, and we were part of this couples club. I mean, to me, being part of a couples club involved in a church kind of sounds like you're committed to monogamy. You think, <laughs> you think, obviously, not <laughs> there's an assumption there, yeah. Did you ever,
0: like there were other women, did you ever find out who they were or talk to any of them or just this one woman from work?
2: Just the one woman from work that he um, eventually did marry. He moved in with her and married her. But then they broke up in the pandemic. Yeah. I um, I asked him, was it anyone I knew? And he said, I'm not prepared to talk to you about that right now. And um, mm. I had... One of my counselors said to me, Leslie, you're going to have many questions, probably most of them you won't get good answers for. And after a while, it won't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, The same man said to me, and whatever you do, do with integrity. So those two things he said to me, I really held to. Um, He was one of the ministers at my church. And I would say one of the reasons I survived and did so well is because I had an amazing support system. I really did. I can't thank any of those people enough. Um, My parents were there. My mom, as soon as I called, she just came and moved in with me for about a week.
0: I was going to ask about your family's reaction or friends, because obviously you've been together so long. You kind of grew up together. Your lives are
2: very intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my brothers live out West. When my one brother got the phone call from, my mom he scared his family cuz he went over and picked up the family portrait, my family portrait in a frame and threw it across the room and hit the wall with it. Mhm. Now mad. Yeah. 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 And my older brother, he was a quiet sort of guy just sort of put the phone down and walked away quietly and didn't say anything for a bit. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now what about your friend? You're like best friend?
2: Yeah, so my very best friend said to me, "Well, I was surprised you married him." <laughs> you tell me now? <laughs> no, I she said cuz I said, "You know what? I figured out he was a mommy's boy." And this is sort of where I was going first. I didn't realize about the narcissism and other things. Mm-hmm. And and she says, "Oh, I knew he was a mommy's boy all along." And I said, "Well, he certainly presented different to me and no she was she's smart she knows I'm smart she's like you can't tell other people what to do they have to find it out for themselves right yeah like you know and we were friends we always did stuff together and he had been friends with her husband Mm -hmm. and the other like his brother that's next to him is very much in the picture was in the picture of her marriage and everything and like we're beachers and I like to say it's incestuous because like my best friend's cousin married another good friend and Mm -hmm. (laughs) um like his older brother my my aunt went to the same high school that we all did like it's Mm -hmm. just so intertwined and intermixed and so his brother lived in a the neighborhood close to my best friend and you know they'd still bump into each other and she dated him a bit and they talked to each other and he just said oh I guess you're taking her side and sort of thing and Uh, But I did have friends, like the one who married the cousin. I think she might have been conflicted because her husband was still friends with him. Mm -hmm. Right. My best friend's brother doesn't live here anymore. So they didn't really keep in touch. So that was okay. But that one friend um, that married the cousin, she sort of broke off stuff with me. And I think she just didn't get my life as a single mom. Well, that's a big change too. And a teacher, like exhaustion. I would say most of my friends were so supportive. And that's what I I think another thing that helped me survive. When I went to the school and spoke to the teachers and the principal, the principal said, you're an EA on leave, you know, you can tap into the employee assistance program for counselling, even though you're on leave. So I did. When I got upset during one class. When we were reading a love poem, the one my grandfather used to read to my grandmother, and left in tears, a staff member at the school told me that I could access student counselling mm-hmm. on campus. And then I had two ministers at my church who would come to visit me. So I had the counsellor through TDSB, the counsellor through my college, and my two ministers.
0: Yeah, Plus your mom, you Plus said my mom and-, and my
2: dad. And I sang in the choir at my church. And my church director, my choir director called me and said, Would you like me to tell everyone so that you don't have to explain? I said, Yes, thank you. And she was a divorced mother of four kids. So she got it. Right.
1: And right. Um,
2: then eventually I, I rejoined the couples club changed their policy that people who were widowed or divorced or whatever could still do the show. So I loved performing so much. I did the show and it was during one of the rehearsals that I first found out that I was an emotionally abused woman that, I mean, I was kind of swallowing a lot of the stuff. Um, like I just couldn't make it work if only I'd done this and I know what he did was wrong, but what went wrong? What could I have done differently? And, um, Again, I had to leave because of a song. It was a song that he used to always play, and I would sing to on the piano that we were rehearsing. And I left the room, and she came and this one woman came and sat with me and said, um, "I used to um, counsel emotionally abused women, and that's sometimes a lot harder to get over than physical abuse. Physical abuse heals, but it's the emotional side that never heals, and it stays with you forever. You learn to deal with it, and." I kind of went, wow, she's calling me an emotionally abused woman. And it really made me think of things in a different light. I mean, I always had trouble with the, you need to take responsibility for your role in what happened. Because I'm like, what more could I have done? You know? Right. Yeah. And it's but not. It's,
0: you know, talking to you now, is probably very different different your perspective is very different because you are so far out than if we talked to you and this had happened a year ago
2: yeah absolutely
0: right and then had that perspective
2: now and then it was my counselor who said he sounds like a narcissist actually I had two counselors say that and then I started doing research on narcissism and boy did it hit so many marks the gaslighting the lying the being so wonderful and everything you want them to be Mm -hmm. um in the first years because they're basically grooming you, right? And um brainwashing you into doing their bidding and letting them do whatever they want.
1: Yeah, being like the person you want they want you to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that they can do what they want to do.
2: Yeah, he never tried to isolate me. I mean, I still had my choirs and performing and stuff. I was in a concert band for a while and um actually he went to that with me for a while, but then he stopped going maybe after a third child. The more I researched about narcissism and how these people use people, they don't take responsibility for their actions. Mm-hmm. They, um, they make you feel everything's your fault. They put everything on your plate. I can think of an instance where we rented a cottage that didn't work out so well. And he was so uninvolved in the planning of it. He left it all up to me. And then when it didn't work out so well, it was like, well, Your you fault. found it. I didn't, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. And then Absolutely. we planned it. We my older brother remarried probably a couple of years before we separated. And he lives, like I said, in Alberta. So we planned a whole trip out west just for the wedding and then more traveling. And I planned it. I sat down and planned a route and places to go and places to see. And when we were at my older brother's house in Northern Alberta, he decides he wants to do a totally different route because my route wasn't good enough. And then my dad jumps in and, oh, yeah, this is a better route. But it upset me because I put all this time and effort into planning and he never once said anything until the last minute. And didn't take any
0: interest in it prior to that. Yeah.
2: Right. And then, and that's the thing. I remember our marriage counselor saying, Well, I guess he takes over and does everything then. And I said, no, I said, everything's left to me. I think he likes that. And I recently did a little bit of counselling because my brother-in-law, his older brother, passed away. And I had a lot of conflicting emotions around that. Um, His brother and I had been good friends, but we'd butt heads too, because I think actually we were similar, but my brother-in-law would never admit that. (laughs) Um, but I also think he was a narcissist and there's sex addiction in the family and that was very much both of them Mm -hmm. Um, which they hide from everybody else but it comes out and um, so it was do I go to the funeral or not but my my kids were going to be there my sister-in-law's so like I said he had four siblings his sister had passed away but my three sister-in-law's I mean, I was married for 20 years and that family for 26 years. They became my sisters. We raised our babies together. And I wanted to support, you know, the widow. And I also just, they're my family. And so it's weird. Yeah, the counselor I saw, she was talking about narcissism. And she, she just said, there's nothing you can do. They like independent women. They like strong, independent women because then they don't have to do anything for them. And if they can manipulate them into doing everything for themselves, like they don't have to do anything for their spouse, but they can then manipulate you into doing so much for them and you're capable of it. So that's what they like.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of makes sense that they don't want someone that's going to be dependent on them that they have to care for because that would take away from their selfish pursuits
2: yes yeah
0: (laughs) how do you maintain relationships like with with his sisters for example after he's done this like was there any animosity they very
2: they very much let me know that I divorced him and not them I mean they They didn't buy any of his excuses. In fact, my one sister-in-law, like married to the brother that I thought I was close to, um, said uh, she couldn't talk to him about it because they just ended up arguing. Like she didn't buy it. In fact, at one point when we were first separated, he tried to tell people I was abusive. I mean, maybe because I slapped him on the face. I don't know. And my son... Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get the kids taken away from me. And he, my son said, Mom, no one could believe you have it in you to be abusive. Yeah. And then I said to to my sister-in-law, I said, he's saying to one of them, I said, he says I'm abusive. Do you believe that? And because I needed to hear from her because I don't think I could have kept up a relationship if she believed that. And she said, oh, my goodness, no, you're the one with stress, so many stress-related illnesses. I think we know who's being abused in this relationship. Right. So they didn't buy his excuses and his reasons. Oh, we were young. Oh, I didn't know what I wanted.
0: Because he never accepted responsibility.
2: Never. And you know what? The same thing with the second one. Didn't accept responsibility again it was all about her being dominating him and this was his brother's term dominant woman mm-hmm. dominating him and it's like no he wanted someone to take charge of his life and do everything yeah 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 and and that's when my kids lost their relationship with him they it was always rocky they tried to forgive them they got to know their step siblings and liked them uh, my my middle child had a bit of a rough relationship. With her stepmom, she just couldn't accept it. Um, couldn't mm-hmm. accept that she didn't know or that she wasn't involved. But we know differently now. He totally gaslit her and yeah. lied to her. And As my younger, she was saying something to my younger daughter and said, oh, I guess I shouldn't be saying all this to you. It's your dad. She goes, oh, I've heard it all before from my mom. <laughs> yeah. But they have severed connections with their dad because of the way he treated second woman basically yeah, right. it was like the final straw right we forgave yeah. you once we bought some of your excuses like oh you were so young you didn't know what you wanted you finally found the woman that's the perfect match and then you do everything again right like no you're not a good person you don't take responsibility mm-hmm. you don't show remorse um we're better to have you out of our lives and through all my counseling i've been told with narcissists you can't have a, a relationship. You just have to cut the relationship. Yeah, you
1: can't give them even an inch.
2: My my last two sessions of counseling um, that I had just recently, she used the word, she's talked about shedding. When it comes into your head, shed it. So I made up like the hand movements. So when something pops into my head, I just go shed and put my hands, you know, down my body. And shed, right. get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it helps.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, I think that there can be this perception that, oh, you know, you were married 20 years ago. And so, like, just get over it or that you yeah. would just be over it and not just with divorce, but with all kinds of things that happened 20 years ago. People think that you're just like time heals all wounds. Is That's what they say. Right. But. So many times we've talked to people, and the more that we do this, the more I realize that no, like these traumatic things that happen in our lives, they stay with us. And it might become easier to carry that yeah. pain, but it's still there.
2: Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, well, it's another form of grief. I think I had one of my counselors explain that to me. It's, um, you've lost the life you had and you've lost the partner. You had the person you had no longer exists. So it's, it's not the same as someone passing away, of course, but my sister-in-law who lost her husband to cancer did say to me once, she said, I think what you're going through is worse. She said, cancer took my husband. He didn't choose to do this to me. She said, your husband, and this is another sister-in-law. So you can see how much they supported me. She said, um, he did this to you. He had a choice. She said that must right. hurt way more and you, your life as it was is gone. So it's, it's a form of grief. And I think with all grief and trauma, you just learn how to live with it, right? You get better at dealing with it, but things but, can trigger it.
1: There's this misconception that we only grieve like a physical loss of a person, but that's right. not true. Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, the pandemic has illustrated that like it was, there was this massive collective grieving going on that, um people don't acknowledge yeah so of course people were were losing jobs they were
0: losing their connections to people
1: they were losing
0: their freedom all kinds. of well and like a massive
1: loss of human life as well on top of all of these other things right um your loss of security like this loss of sense of safety right i think when you've committed more than half your life to someone and to have it all kind of like blow up in your face like that yeah that is that's, there's no question
2: that that's grief. You just, you just reminded me of something. I went back to see our marriage counselor uh, a few months after I had thrown him out. I said, and he says, what do you need to see me for now? <laughs> he, he was great. <laughs> he was great. Uh, I said, I want you to help me with closure. I want to move on. And I think that's a big part of healing too, is really, really wanting to move on. Um, and And um, one of the things I said to him was, I feel like I wasted 20 years of my life. And he said, the next 20 years are going to be better. Just you wait and see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, don't dwell on the past, but the past will always be there. It will hurt you. But yeah, your life can get better. And part of it is a choice. I do remember my other counselor. She says, my goodness. I usually tell people two to five years, I think you're going for the 18 month plan. And Mm -hmm. I I went, I don't know, happy, sad, happy, sad. I choose happy. And I'm going to do what it takes to be happy again. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I did. Like I've embraced this life. I've embraced being single too. I dated for, for a fair bit after separation, never met anyone that I really wanted to be with. And I think My tolerance for bullshit or or being treated like I'm not special too. Like, I'm smart. I have interests. You got to like me. Like, I'm not just to be used by you. And if not, bye. (laughs) Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Your tolerance for, as you said, bullshit is probably pretty low.
2: And probably saw the red flags too. I don't think all men are horrible. You know, I have a very, very wonderful fulfilled and full life doing the things that i want to do my kids are my best friends but i'm glad i mean my kids have anxiety like i never had at their age although maybe you guys can tell me i i hear it's a symptom of the times yeah
1: we're all anxious as fuck i
2: think we're more um aware of it though too there's
1: an awareness yeah
2: For sure, yeah. And I do worry, even my son said something recently. I said, oh, I feel like I failed as a mother there that uh, I couldn't help make you happier. So they have their scars. In fact, my son, he can say the most profound things, even when he was little, he would say it.
1: He's the eldest, right?
2: Yeah, so he was about 18 at the time. Hadn't been too long. He was 17 when his dad left. It was just before his 18th birthday. I remember getting into this big argument with my youngest who would have been 11 or 12, depending when it happened. And, um, I remember just crumbling down at the top of the stairs, sobbing, thinking I can't take this. I don't know what to do. And saying something like, I'm going to have to find another partner. I can't do this on my own. And my son said, mom, we're just all angry but we can't take it out on the person that we're really angry with. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow. So they had to carry that burden too. And then he said, you know, it isn't just the person he cheated on that gets hurt. It's everyone in the whole family. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. It is the whole family. And, you know, you try to protect your kids from, you can only protect them from so much. Mm -hmm. There's only so much you can hide from them potentially. Like, dad laughed like you can't hide that Yeah. and you're human you have feelings like yeah they're gonna see you cry like we can only protect our kids from you know seeing this stuff to some extent and of course it impacts them yeah right they're gonna and notice I... that mom is sad they're gonna notice that mom is is overwhelmed that dad's not there anymore <laughs> like
1: Yeah. Well, and in in some ways, and I would argue that you're doing a disservice by hiding the hard stuff anyway. Because
2: (laughs) I'm I'm it's unfortunate.
1: It's 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 a part of life, and they they it's unfortunate when our kids have to learn that earlier. But then, in some ways, there's the magic in the kind of insight that your son gave to you, and that my kids show to me regularly. You Mm -hmm. know, in our situation. But I also, again, like on the idea that like we're more aware of anxiety now, I think people are more open to the idea that you let the kids see the more hard and messy and and yeah. ugly stuff yeah. where I know when I was growing up, like, no,
2: like it didn't, you, you, you wouldn't talk about any of this. Yeah. Yeah. You hit it. Yeah. My daughters say that I was a good role model for, you don't let men treat you like that Mm -hmm. you just you don't and And that if you get stuck in that and that if you end up in that kind of a situation or whatever you can survive and thrive after exactly and my son um i think has learned about being well he's always sensitive nature but he said i had to not listen to the stuff i was hearing from dad and be a better man towards women than what he and his brothers were showing me. What would you hope that someone listening to your story would take? If you go through something like this, find your people, find your people for support. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had my church people and then I joined up Parents Without Partners and the women in that group, um, there's men and women, but I've become close friends. My closest friends now are women from that group. And they're always there for me. And it's also people who have gone through or are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I just think one of the reasons I did so well, it was because I had support. And if you don't have it in your family, like reach out and find it. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I said, as soon as people told me, um, you can get a counselor here. You can get a counselor there. I'm like, okay, give me them all. Um, and it, I know it helped. I had a neighbor walk down the street one day holding a coffee and a cookie. And he says, Oh, I just heard, I want to do something for you. Um, I've already drank my coffee, but here have my cookie. And, <laughs> but just little things like that, people reaching out, yeah. say yes, that's it. Say yes to help. Like I was always the oh, one yeah. who's doing the community work. Right. Yeah, yep. And it's, It was my time to receive. So, And it can be hard for people to accept it. You're right. Yes. Just tell yourself, if you're a strong, independent woman, like, that is hard, right? Like, I can do this on my own. But no, this is a time that you should be saying yes to help. And you'll get through. And I I guess the other big thing I want is, like I said, my pet peeve, is if you're living with an abusive person, um, you might not know it at the time, or when you leave and you realize it's not always the other person's fault when a marriage breaks up. That old expression, it takes two, um, it's actually it takes two to make it. It only takes one to break it. Mm-hmm. So it needs two people working on it. If one person isn't, it's not gonna work, right? So yeah. don't beat yourself up. If you haven't done anything wrong, if you know you're a good person, you know, you, know, you don't lie, you don't sneak around, You may not be perfect, but, you know, you help people, you're kind. Like, you probably didn't do anything. Or you probably went above and beyond trying to make it work. So Mm -hmm, don't beat yourself. Don't swallow that crap about you need to take responsibility for a role in this marriage falling apart. No. I, I think the best thing I did was ending the marriage.
0: And then learning to say,
2: you know what? It wasn't my fault. And I
0: don't have to carry the weight of what he did because it sounds like you blamed yourself a lot in the beginning and you were trying to figure that out. Right. Mm -hmm. Also with somebody who knows you, I think you're a really good example of, you know, this idea that you don't have to be tied to somebody to be happy or successful. Like And I was thinking that about when you were saying, say yes, like saying yes to the help. But I'm also like, you know what? I think that Leslie's also the type of person who says yes to invitations. Like, I know you're in a book club and you have your choir and your music and you post pictures of you rowing, like you're going out and you're saying yes and you're doing things and you're living a happy, successful life that is not measured by you being in a relationship with somebody else
2: right which is nothing wrong with being single yeah
0: yeah and I think there are just so many women who think that you know that you have to be with somebody or that you would measure success in like getting remarried or something that would be your success Mm -hmm. story but it doesn't have to be
2: that right exactly and you know in my age group, I know demographics are different now, but in my age group, there's actually more women than men. So not everybody is gonna pair up. And right. <laughs> I I sort of joke, half joke, that all the good men are taken. The ones that are left are the ones that women don't want. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm fine. That's not that's true. To me. <laughs> I do know some very nice single men my age, but <laughs> that's <Yeah>. a generalization. <laughs> but no, yeah just, and I'm kind of like at this point I don't even know how I'd fit someone in my life like they'd have to fit in right mm-hmm. it would have to be someone who was into music and kayaking and hiking or or didn't mind that I took off and did those things and they took off and did those things and then we got together to have fun yeah you know right yeah, um, yeah. and I'd be open to that but I'm not spending all my time and energy looking for it. I'm spending my time and energy enjoying my life as it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, for
1: coming and talking with us. Well, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Now What Pod. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help
1: more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. You can find us on social media at the Now What Pod. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your story matters and you do too.